Hey everyone, this is Darren, a.k.a. Bombadil, and I just wanted to give a big shout-out and thank you to all of you, our loyal listeners and viewers. We've been doing this for almost three years now, and that's mostly because of your support and encouragement, which we really do appreciate. On that note, if you'd like to help support the show but don't have funds to donate directly, remember that if you plan on doing any online shopping at Amazon.com, if you first click through the Amazon banner on our website at NoGutsNoGalaxy.net, it'll give us a little kickback without adding anything to your bill. It's a great way to support the show and allow us to continue creating a wide variety of free Battletech and MechWarrior content for your pleasure. Buying something specific and want to share your story, send me an email at bombadil at nogutsnogalaxy.net and maybe your email will be read live in the next podcast. Thanks again, everyone, and enjoy the show. The Inner Sphere Chronicles with your host, Walter Tucker. Join me now as I examine the events and decisions, both past and present, that have shaped the course of human history across the Inner Sphere. When Melissa Steiner married Prince Hans Davion, Hans began his years of wedded bliss with these now famous words to his new wife. My dear, I give you the Capellan Confederation. The years that followed marked one of the most tumultuous periods of time in the inner sphere. The historical results of the Fourth Succession War are well known, and Hans Davion will forever be remembered for throwing the most violent wedding party in history. What many overlook about Hans's simple words is that he was doing more than making his wedding a truly political move. He wanted to not just impress his new bride, but to impress upon her how much she personally meant to him. Regardless of the fallout such a huge gift brought about, and that Melissa never received her present, Hans said very loudly to the entire inner sphere that Melissa meant the world to him. Melissa meant all the world's to him. I'm Walt Tucker, and this is an Inner Sphere Chronicle. The Inner Sphere Chronicles is written by David Martin, with additional material by George Ledoux. Produced and performed by George Ledoux and Voices in My Head Productions. Any similarity to persons living or dead is a product of your imagination. yourself for more face-melting, metal-stomping music. Armor will be pierced. Fluid will be spilled. Machines will fall. Warriors will rise. Animatronic brings you a soundtrack for armored combat. Available now from NoGutsNoGalaxy.net. Join the invasion. No Guts, No Galaxy is recorded in front of a live studio audience. This is an adult podcast containing adult language. Consider yourself warned. You're listening to the Gamecasting Broadcast Network. Live from the outreach studios around the world, this is a No Guts, No Galaxy podcast. And now, your host, Phil, a.k.a. Sean Lang.
Welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy Podcast 115. My name is Phil, and I'm your host. Today is July 9th, 2014, and I'm joined by Darren. Hey, everyone. And today's co-host, Brandon Catrakel. Oh, hey, guys. And Tyler Yeager12. Hello. All right, today we have our special guest, Russ Bullock, joins us again. He is the president of Piranha Games. How are you doing, Russ? Doing really good. Thanks for having me back. I was going to say, it's been a few weeks. Um, I just want to also announce I'm a little bit heavier on the left side of my hand. Uh, thanks, anyways, to everyone for the happy wishes for the wedding. And uh, we had a great time. And uh, a, a little heavier on the left hand and soon in the midsection. That's you, what you know, hey, does. hey, yesterday on my first <laughs> soccer match back, I scored two goals and a dirty volley. I'm just going to say the ring of power to rule one. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Anyways, uh, let's go dive into some discussion topics. Uh, Russ, thank you again for being here. Um, last time we talked to you, it was prior to the clans coming out. Everyone was really excited. I was really excited. Um, the clans have hit, and uh, we just want to get your guys' feedback specifically on the clans. Um, I was surprised to see how many clan mechs. Like, <laughs> I don't think I saw an IS mech for the first week in a pretty much in pug play. I'm assuming sales were good. You want to touch on sales, or were they as crazy as I thought? Official numbers or uh, anything interesting on that? Well, um, I don't have like uh, didn't come prepared with like total numbers of clan mechs. I could have, but Colin, our database engineer, is also on vacation, so that would have been a little bit tough. But yeah, I mean, I think things went um, really well Um, in general. I think it was as as successful as any of our pre-order. Um, programs have been from Phoenix to anything, and uh, as far as number of mechs, since the since there was you know a package that had eight mechs, um, I certainly wouldn't be surprised. I think uh, yeah, I think the total number of mechs introduced in the game was quite a bit higher. It's probably around double what Phoenix was, just because there is twice as many mechs in the big package. Sorry, I'm just taking a look, bringing up a website here. So yeah, I mean, I'll give you some rudimentary numbers. Um, we had about 25,000 packages sold across the various packages. Um, about 50% of those end up, close to 50% end up being the Masakari. So essentially, you know, anywhere between 3 and 24 mechs being injected for those various 25,000 packages. So someone's welcome to do some rudimentary math and try to figure out their estimate range. But... Uh, it's not really a secret. I just don't really have the accurate numbers right now. Um, yeah, very excited. And the good news about clans is we kind of obviously the packages remain on sale with some some minor adjustments as far as some of the pre-order bonuses are gone and the social rewards and loyalty rewards, but um, <clears throat> still selling um, a fair number every day. You know, we're probably still injecting probably 500 mechs a day into the game. Uh, you know, Gus, because obviously if you get uh, even like uh, 100, we're getting about $100 carts or cart orders per day. That's about 300 max there, right? Because three times 100, and then you still have maybe even a couple dozen Masakari packages a day and some others. So, yeah, it's going really well. There's no doubt there's a lot of clan mechs now, um, certainly enough. And uh, looking forward to how that plays out in our first, you know, Intersphere versus Clans stuff to see um how the numbers look (laughs) so obviously we're a little little worried that uh we'll be worried until we you know run those tests and and make sure we have enough uh enough players on both sides to have you know those kind of battles 
Well, speaking of Intersphere versus Clan, um, obviously there was a lot of concern before the Clan mechs were released um, because of past titles and so forth about the balance between IS and Clan mechs. Um, on your end, what has the feedback been? Um, we can obviously, after you answer, we can get into uh, our own opinions and what we've seen from the community. But on your end, what do you see? Well, I think um, the greatest sign that we have that things are at least in pretty good shape is the, first off, I guess, the lack of people talking about it. I mean, there certainly is people talking about it, but not like when there's something really out of whack, right? And I guess next is the amount of people that with the opposing opinions. You know, I still get some tweets every day and some posts that are about anything from, you know, the balance is amazing. You guys did an awesome job to, um, you need to change all the inner sphere auto cannons and PPCs to the way the clans are done, meaning, you know, burst fire modes for them too and everything like that. Um, and then everything from, you know, the clan auto cannons are a joke and compared to the IS ones and you need to switch it. So we get everything, uh, all extreme still, uh, but all in all, that usually means you're pretty close because you've got enough stuff kind of being chatted about on both sides. Very difficult subject, just like a lot of uh, mech warriors when it comes to balance. But um, we did a pass on lasers, as you know. Um, we're never done, you know, with these things. Um, we always have our eye on some stuff. Obviously, clans kind of brought back uh, the re uh, rebirth of the Gauss slash PPC, which really doesn't exist in the inner sphere uh, world right now. So there's a few things still to look at, but we got to be patient. Remember that we're only couple weeks in and uh, we have um, still some some things coming into the game like just last patch we had the clan targeting computers come in so that's got to kind of settle out uh, we also have the minimum range um, clan LRM code that comes in this next patch so that's got to kind of settle out too and we've got to run some tests where it's just intersphere versus clans um, so we can we talk about matchmaker we can talk about that a bit um, but uh, I don't know that's um that's as best as I have right now. It's kind of an information on that. So there's there's, a, there's still a lot of opinions out there, and we're always we're still looking and we're still working on some things. But we want to make sure the rest of these systems get in and, and settle out before we, you know, kind of make too big of uh, too many rash choices. Now speaking of which, as soon as you know the clients came out, um, Tyler, I remember dropping with you either that night. I think it was that night or that actually it was that day, and um, you know we, we were dropping with a bunch of guys and. I heard a lot of people say you guys were surprised of the balance. I mean, were you are you happy? I mean, what are your thoughts on the balance of IS or clan? Well, the clan max are definitely still a bit stronger overall, but it's much the balance is much better than I anticipated it would be. So, hats off to you guys for getting it this far, PGI. Uh, like Russ said, the the Gauss ERPPC combos are back. That's extremely strong for the clans. And yeah, like you also mentioned, the minimum range on LRMs going in, we'll, we'll see how that works. What about you, Brian? Uh, well, when the first came out, I felt that overall, especially compared to the previous MechWarrior games, maybe PureTech has something to do with it, but I felt it was actually a pretty decent balance. I mean, you were trading off damage for usually for burst fire or longevity in the beams and that sort of thing. So I felt it kind of trade off, so I thought the balance was pretty good right off the bat. Yeah, I would say the biggest outlier for me of watching it was 
the first few days was just all out chaos. I mean, everybody was taking everything. I mean, you saw pretty much almost all clan max. I mean, it was it was super crazy. I mean, people weren't really worried about, you know, min maxing and stuff. And then obviously as as the weeks, you know, we know went on, we start to see that refinement come down. And you know, you're uh, as far as the clan mechs themselves, one of the things I really like is that the structure and the hard-coded um, elements of some of the mechs, like the the Warhawk, I think it's its left torso. You pretty much can't really do a whole lot with it, you know, because those are fixed hard points, Indo Steel and Ferro Fibers. To me, I don't know as a as a purist, as a BattleTech fan, I actually really enjoy that type of thing. The hard coded jump jets, like in the Summoner. Um, there are a few things that I noticed. Uh, the Timberwolf has always been uh, up there on, um, you know, talk as far as uh, not having hard coded jump jets. But speaking of which, and we're gonna, um, that's actually coming down the pipeline is the whole jump jet update, and we'll talk about that later. But uh, the first thing that would pop out to me would be the direwolf. It is a beast. Like when you when you see one and you're like, oh shit. I mean, two shots and pretty much you're. you're... But I've also seen them die, so it's sort of a trade off I've seen in gameplay. Uh, Tyler, we were talking about this as they're called the direwolves. They're great if they're behind you and supporting you. But if they get caught in the open, or if they get caught by themselves, they get just ripped apart. But you don't want to just face one one-on-one. Oh yeah, it's very easy to catch them out the back of formations. If you got fast mechs like the Timberwolf, and you you know start a circle, find the enemy's tail, you'll usually find a direwolf back there going 53 kph that you can pick off pretty much for free. But when they're entrenched and supported by their team, or on level ground with you, it's they're devastating, absolutely. Well, Russ, can we ask you specifically regarding the double uh, ERPPC, double Gauss uh, version of the Direwolf? You know, what what you guys have in mind as far as that goes? Well, yeah, that's a, it's a tough question. I mean, the Direwolf uh, really is responsible for, um, you know, a, a couple, um, well, a specific nerfs, you know. The, um, the two Gauss limit really is, you could think of it as the, you know, the Direwolf B nerf. You know, as we were preparing for the launch and some people showed us some of the crazy builds that the clans were doing, it was most of them we knew we could handle through our existing systems of um, you know, heat scale and, and linking and stuff. But, you know, the four gals was like, holy shit, you know, look at this. And um, so that's why we made that change around the, you can only, it's like the new canon. I'm going to have to talk to Catalyst about inserting it or something. It's like <laughs> no mech in the universe and the known universe can charge more than two, um, you know, Pete Bear Gauss rifles at once. Um, so I think that that helped out a lot. But then, of course, people drop the the Gausses and are running two PPCs. Um, I suppose that caused off guard just a tiny bit because you just didn't see that dynamic with Inner Sphere. You know, it was, I guess, because they didn't have to because you had the auto cannons. Um, but also, I guess the challenge of charging on the one and shooting with the other was something that maybe people didn't have to go out there and learn because they could they could roll with the auto cannons. So definitely, people have mastered that now, uh, and so there's a multiple mechs that are doing it. Um, I will bring up that we have thought of one possible change, but you know, giant caveat as far as it's right now, we have no plans to put it in the game. It's just sort of a crazy test idea I came up with, and uh, you know, I we had the engineers engineer it and it's actually finished and done and we have it in the game we just have a server-side c-var that turns it off and right now it's off and no plans in turning it on so i'll say that again right now it's off and there's no plans in turning it on but <laughs> um it basically it's another linking between ppcs and gals it kind of plays on the whole charging aspect it says look your mech can only charge 
two Gauss rifles at once, and that basically means that it takes a ton of energy to charge them. Therefore, you can't. It affects how you can shoot your PPCs and the energy that's needed to actually fire PPCs. So, uh, the, the end result is, without getting to a bunch of mumble jumbles, it's kind of like you can only shoot two. You can only shoot two Gauss rifles at once. You can only shoot two PPCs at once without taking on heat scale, and its combination becomes one and one. If you're charging up two Gauss and you can't shoot any PPCs, you're charging up one Gauss, then there's still enough energy to shoot one PPC. So you kind of end up saying, okay, hey, you can shoot off your two PPCs, you can shoot off your two Gauss, or you shoot one and one. And it kind of brings us back into that world of more like 30, you know, 30 damage pinpoint uh, that we try to sort of maintain because the, the two and two has really bumped that up, as you know, to like 50 pinpoint plus another 10 that spreads. So it's it's a big hit. Uh, so that's something we played around with, but it's a little funky. I mean, the mechanic is, is it's easy because it just shows it very clearly. The, the PPCs just kind of go dark, just like when, you're, when your UACs jam. Uh, so it's quite clear that, you know, they're out of energy and they can't fire. And there's, there's, we put warning messages in the widget and everything. So it's there. It's available to us. But kind of scared of that change a little bit. So I'm just sort of like hanging on to it, throwing it out here today, obviously, just probably to like... Paul's dismay. So don't get on Paul's case. This was my my idea. <laughs> Blame I Russ. Had Ahmed, uh, check it out. So um, yeah, I'm sure you guys will talk about that a little bit, and we'll hear how. But just you don't need to throw fits of rage to get us to not do it, right? Tell us what you think in a nice way, and we'll listen. So yeah, so, there, there's there's one thought for you. But that's other than that, I guess we're always looking at PPCs, as Phil and I have talked about lots of times. PPCs is kind of the underlying cause of every problem in MechWarrior since MechWarrior began. Uh, it's just such a, you know, a go-to weapon that it's, you're always putting something together with PPCs, right? Someone put it really good one time, says you fill up all your ballistic slots and then you put ballistics in your energy slots too because they're really a ballistic, so they're a pinpoint weapon. And um, we've thought about, you know, what we can do there too, whether it's just a little bit longer cooled down. Velocity is probably the big thing when it comes to PPCs, whether they're so effective. Um, thoughts about, you know, do they travel just way too fast? Uh, do well, they travel too quickly to match up with Gauss's and things like that? Let me let me jump in there, and I want to hear Tyler's opinion because I, I know we've had long discussions, and you know he's always involved with the community with streaming. And the one thing uh, that Russ was mentioning is PPCs. Uh, when you look at the clans right now, you see synergy. That's the perfect word to use. Uh, you have synergy between. PPCs and Gauss. That means you can charge the Gauss and shoot a PPC at the exact same time, deliver a high alpha volley. And when you combine that with the Direwolf, where you have two of those each, you get a, you know, 50 plus 10. Where he's talking about the, the IS side, PPCs have synergy with autocannons and, and Gauss. Um, but the clan side, you don't have synergy between PPCs and ACs. Well, and obviously those are, you do have some overlapping, but that doesn't mean necessarily that ppcs are the culprit or you know acs so there's definitely some things and we've always uh, talked about that the whole the meta right the 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 30 point alpha you know mech uh, is ran it all the time before and it's actually quite effective against some of the clan uh, mechs uh, itself but uh you know as far as uh ideas uh tyler have you have you had any yourself or have you heard any that really have some merit as far as um the dire wolf issue the dire well issue per se how to curve the issue you mean yeah i mean what are your thoughts on you know uh whether what russ said or have you heard anything else out there 
Well, overall, the PPC we're talking about, I've been saying it for a while, and I think adding two seconds to the recycle time on PPCs would help significantly. It won't help necessarily against sustained jump sniping fight where nobody's willing to push on each other because you can just stay down for six seconds. But lowering that DPS, desyncing the Gauss and PPC, because people would then want to fire their Gauss on the four-second cooldown timer. But it would also reduce the DPS of the ERPPC as people are closing in, let brawlers get in. Do you take you know half, 50% less damage from the ERPPCs as you try to close? Now, I will point out something. Um, you mentioned jump sniping and, and you know, sort of pop-tarting. And um, even if you're playing aggressive, like how we saw SGR and Lords playing in the, the tournament, um, I've tested the new jump jet update. And let me tell you, it's about to change things um, dramatically for a lot of builds, too. So, you know, can imagine. keep that like in mind. Highlander. Well, like, for instance, the one jump jet on the Timberwolf uh that's going to change uh or or if you keep that it's strictly maneuverability it will not be used for pop tarting so i will say that um it's i like it across the board i think it's been great so i did test that and uh, i was happy with the results now but it's not going to stop uh pop tarting like uh paul said in the uh update uh thread pop tarting is a valid strategy um but uh being able to close distance so i've i've heard a few other ideas out there uh with you know desyncing weapons but I, I guess that's what it comes down to for us is um the synergy between clan goss and, and your peeps you don't have that with ppcs and acs on clan side because of the burst mechanic and um you know i think it, it could be either or i mean it, it could be you have a completely different system for the synergy weapons in the clans, so you desync them and you could have a completely different system with how the acs and ppcs on the i side or you could keep both or just drop sort of the damage or recharge rate uh as a uh, tyler cooldown and stuff like that there's there's a few different options yeah I'm, and i'm pleased like you said, the, the the clans mechanic and you haven't used gauss and ppc together because the auto cannons don't pair well or synergize well that's great, and that's in line with what PGI want to do with raising the skill floor or skill ceiling on the, the clan weapons. So you have to use your Gauss and PPCs now, where people have shied away with that because the autocannons are easier. To sum it up, uh, PGI is totally aware of the issue with the direwolf or the potential issue, um, and it's being looked at closely. Uh, and that you know that mechanic that Russ is talking about is not implemented, but ready to be if it needs to be. Um, kind of touching on what you were just discussing, the, the different difference of the mechanics between the IS mechs and the um, clan mechs and, and Russ is you know was saying that there's some people out there that want to bring those same mechanics over to the inner sphere um, what do you guys feel about that because personally I absolutely love the separation of inner sphere and clan as far as the weapons and the mechanics um, and I would not want to see those just become the same thing what do you guys think I hopped in a hunchback 4g yesterday during my stream that was the very last match I was watching and I do not want the change to happen. I actually like the difference between the autocannons and hitting a clan mech. It's for that 20 damage. It It's great. Um, I like the difference. Albeit, yeah, the battle to Lord nerd in me says, oh, yeah, you know, it always refers to in the novels burst fire or, you know, uh, cartridges and reload. I mean, there's a few options they could do there. But I like the fact that the IS is it's fighting with one hand behind you know per se so hey you're giving it you know high damage high baldy ballistics same thing with ac10 and the ac5 and the uic i think that's a good uh thing uh it, it's lower skill level than the clans the clans having to hit every single round on it does take skill i mean 
you know, especially if a target's moving left to right at distance, um, I like it. So, uh, I'd say, yeah, definitely keep them as they are. I think having something that makes them unique on each side gives pros and cons. Like, for example, I always viewed clans as, yeah, they might do a little bit more DPS, but it's going in waves. So it's a little bit balanced that way. But also with Inner Sphere, it's all up front. So it's a big punch. So not as much DPS per se, but it's a much bigger hit. So I think it works as a trade-off type of thing. And I would like to see them stay that way. I don't want to see it back and forth. I don't want it to be a one-to-one relationship. I don't want an IS weapon to work just like how a clan weapon works as far as like... And I hopped in um, a Firestarter in Jenner today. Hopping in and shooting the medium lasers, the IS, that quick reload time, dude, it's crazy. Or a short, uh, short, shorter um, beam duration totally threw me off guard. I was like, oh my god, this is awesome. Like, it's completely different, you know, because I've been playing clan mechs for the past, you know, three weeks since they launched. So I like the different feel of them. It does feel different. It looks different. It sounds different. And I, think, um, I love it. Sorry, I'm going to jump in. I think people also need to realize that we, uh, we have to kind of you know, let things settle out and like we said we just got clan tar- we just got clan targeting computers and we're putting in the clan um lrm uh minimum no minimum range and uh you know we have to let that settle out before we make any too drastic choices because um right now we have mixtures of teams right like every team is is you know a combination of inner sphere and clan so we really don't know for sure uh just how well the inner sphere max would stand up on their own if they were just on their own against uh, clans yet. So I think if we were to change them to function the same way as the clans, um, that would possibly then, you know, keep take away the one thing that was kind of making them stand up to the clans. So uh, we're going to have to uh, keep an eye on that. And when we, when we get some inner sphere versus clan stuff, then we'll, then we'll get a better take when we see just clan versus just inner sphere on exactly where things stand. I love it. Russ, uh, just to sort of point out again, aesthetically, clan mechs look different. They they sound different. They feel different. Their weapons work different. I love that about it. I mean, it really makes a distinction between you see that on the field, you're like, oh, that's not like the others, you know, and I think that's, I love that part. So kudos, you guys did a great job. I knew a lot of people were going to be excited. I got to play and run around with them uh, before they came out, and I was like, oh my god, it's so cool. So... Now, in regards to Intersphere versus Clan, and as you were saying, seeing how that uh, plays out, is there anything official coming along those lines? Or are we talking about, like, uh, player-run, you know, leagues or whatever, uh, Intersphere versus Clan, or we'll, just we'll, internal testing? We'll, we'll get to the community warfare part. Let's answer <laughs> that. Stop. Don't get it. I have a question for you, Russ. And this is a serious question. When will I get my shadow cat? When, when is that happening? When is or is there an ID or do you want a sneak peek to the people in the live audience because they're here for you listening to you right now? The next clan mech or mechs or package, which honestly I was actually quite surprised there hasn't been a um, reinforcement package per se, uh, like the Phoenix. You know, everybody you know. wants to know when the Mad Dog is coming. Yes, Mad Dog and uh, Hellbringer, and I actually want to I want to see mechs we've never seen in a Mech Warrior title for the clan side or we haven't seen them since MechWare 2 mercenaries do you have any thoughts words descriptions well no <laughs> not really <laughs> nothing i'm gonna really toss out here today other than i'm gonna throw a little bit of love to the inner sphere players and just say that the next new chassis is an inner sphere chassis so 
that's that. Um, as far as clans are concerned, I think I will say though that it's it is quite obvious what the next ones will be. Um, there's no question that you know, like, uh, for instance, the Mad Dog slash what do you call it again? Vulture. 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 Thank you. Um, is an obvious choice. It's a favorite of mine. I think it looks great. It's like the new Archer, right? It's so cool. Um, and uh, the Hellbringer, for obvious reasons, because it fits a ton of slot. We don't have our clans yet. And basically is, uses the summoner legs, and there's a lot of uh, reuse there and effectiveness for us. And then it starts getting into some of the other ones you mentioned, Shadowhawk and everything. So I do find it interesting, though, you mentioned... Um, Ice Fair. Uh, yeah, I guess like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Shadowcat. Yeah, re- no, reinforcement Shadow package. You said reinforcement pack. I can't say in all honesty... Um, we are not creating a reinforcement pack right now. We have not considered one yet. I think a lot of people expected that we did, or that was like the way we rolled. It's nothing but like capitalizing as much cash as possible. Um, that has, isn't even, hasn't even been a consideration for us at this point. Um, but, you know, if that's what people want, um, that's, I'm interested in hearing that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, I guess the, the question is, um, we see the timeline of release of the, the current Clan Max, right? With That's on a website, and if you haven't checked it out, uh, we've been passing around that on the stream as well. Um, I guess the question is, uh, maybe a timetable too of when is the next IS Mech being released? And uh, actually, I think you've already mentioned that in one of your tweets, uh, what the, the next uh, IS chassis will be. Um, when, you know what kind of time frame is it looking for the clans or is there no new clan mech going to be released until you know the these initial clan packs yeah i just don't know that right now meaning there's no plans to also wait until all those have been released no nothing like that um so uh, i would say those chances are good that we'll see um, like a new clan mech prior to that although when does the last one come out i don't have that that schedule memorized is it october or the last ones so yeah i think we'll probably see see something before that um yeah I, I, sorry that's as accurate as i can be right now well like i said um you guys surprised me quite a bit early on when you guys were coming out with uh chassis that i did not expect T- quick draw trebuchet i mean you guys sort of hit me with a left because i wasn't expecting those i mean those weren't your you know go to what you saw in mech 4 and mech 3 and stuff so anyways continue that Let's see some chassis we've never seen before and or we've only read about in the novels. And uh, I think that'd be awesome. But uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, Matchmaker. This has actually been a big update. I was gone, but uh, I have came back and I've tested it out and I've got a lot of feedback. I've been reading over at Reddit. I've been reading on the forums and our own fa- uh, forums on uh, NGNG. The new Matchmaker, um, obviously, I, I, I feel like we need to get to the second point first, uh, Darren, here, our, our second tab, which is... A lot of people, um, we're going to drop this knowledge on you really quick, and, and Russ, you can uh, be the one to do it. But when you guys say solo queue, behind the scenes, it's actually solo only, right? Yeah, and um, I didn't think it was going to be. I mean, everything we said to everyone was what we, we meant every bit of it, meaning it, we thought you know, groups, groups of two through four were going to be uh, going in both. You know, they'd be either in the solo queue or in the group queue. Got a lot of feedback, kind of last minute. Um, a lot of people saying, basically, you know, screw that, you know. Don't want any pre-mades in my solo queue. And, of course, I've got plenty that were the other way, that were like, you know, we don't want to be thrown into the group queue, even though they were in a group. 
So it's tough. You know, you're going to get opinions on both sides as usual. Very strong opinions on both sides. But I think kind of the kicker was when it came down to play experience for the players, it became clear that making all of the groups of two, three, and four available to the group queue was creating a much better experience in the group queue, meaning it was creating much less wait time in the group queue, uh, significantly less wait time. And there's a couple of things I'd like to say here that people should understand, people that have, I guess, strong opinions one or the other. We've heard a lot of opinions around, you know, just have it so groups of two and three are in the solo queue because those are, you know, not a lance per se or they're more casual, smaller groups. We can't really do those things, or at least we can't make it so they only go in the solo queue. To do that would mean we'd have to remove groups of like nine and 10 from the group queue. And no one wants to do that, right? They want to have the full flexibility, um, except for no 11s. But otherwise they want to keep all those group sizes and so do I, I mean, that's, what, that's what we did here. That's what this whole thing was about, right? So we got to the, right there, everyone should understand, we have to for sure send all of our spare groups of two, three, and four, like over to the group queue they have to go over there in order to make group queue work the way it's designed and you know based on having all those group sizes so there's that to begin with uh wait times are significantly better though with those groups being only in the group queue and here's the i guess the end result has been this and you guys have noticed this the solo queue is actually um really great right now i mean it's it plays exceptionally well and i can I have the matchmaker command center. I can open that up on my desktop right now. And you can see that the groups that are kicking off are um, fairly frequently a full four, like a perfect four by three. When they're not, they're definitely perfectly matched weight class for weight class. And most importantly, beyond that, because you don't have to take group size into consideration, right? That's why it's an easier go on the solo side. Um, the ELO score difference actually only averages about separation of about an average of 50. Very close. The average team one versus team two has an average separation in ELO of only 50. So that's why solo queue is playing so great right now. Now the group queue hasn't been playing as well. Um, it's much more difficult for the matchmaker. I mean, it's, it's doing a great job as far as Quite a few matches are four by three. Obviously, you guys have to conform to a threes rule when you're creating groups. So 12 mans are four by three. And uh, and the wait time has been very, very decent. It's not much longer than the solo queue. So, in fact, your overall wait times are probably less than you experienced before in the, if a high ELO player is in the, in the group side. The problem was that our average ELO score, two things, the, the size of groups, although it did take that into consideration, it didn't want you to have to wait very long. So the number of times we had, say, two groups on one side versus five groups on the other, as an example, was, you know, happened too often. And the average difference in ELO score was quite a bit higher. It was definitely over 100, probably even closer to 150 difference between the two teams. So sometimes it would be much closer than that and you'd get some amazing battles in there, but more frequently you'd get more uneven matches. So. Again, though, uh, everyone's throwing out a million and one ideas, uh, but as far as the staying patient side is, uh, Carl has put in an update to his matchmaker. I've mentioned this on Twitter a few times. I'm sure it's made the forums. So most people might know by now that um, the patch on Tuesday will have, I guess, version two of this new matchmaker. And in particular, it will it's really designed to, to improve the experience in the group queue. 
So the solo queue will stay very much the way it is. Nothing but solo players is going to continue to feel awesome. The group queue, though, is going to have a much better chance at making sure even numbers of groups per side end up together. Larger groups have a much different waiter to make sure they get large, you know, similarly large groups on the other side. And the ELO ranges will be much more specific or, you know, much more uh, close together. So we actually ran the test on the production data. Like the last week of production data, we can simulate that through the new code. And I've watched the games um, are vastly better. Like it's a huge improvement. So I think this is going to be great. I think everyone should wait for the Tuesday um, update. And I think we're probably going to, it feels like we're going to settle in there. We're going to have an awesome solo queue and then we're going to have a group queue that um, is hopefully going to be pretty close you know, to how well the solo queue feels right now. Hopefully we're going to feel pretty much that good over there in the group queue and then we're all going to be really happy. Well, I have a few questions about the rest. Obviously, um, when now that we know it's a solo queue and that's out there and now you have groups and it's strictly group queue, one of the issues that I've seen and we've talked about previously on the podcast is the influence that groups have which you guys recognized when you said originally, remember the old matchmaker, you were trying to do threes and one group per team, right? I mean, you guys recognize a pre-made of four has a large influence. So now you've got multiple groups and now you are allowed to take a five plus man group. There are people, you know, and I'll be honest. I mean, if haven't, if I drop in a two man group and all of a sudden I get thrown up and I'm fighting 12 SJR or, you know, whoever, whoever, um, that's that's pretty brutal. I mean, it, it, I really don't know what else to say about that. I mean, other than the fact that if the coordination those teams have when they're rolling 12, 10, 8, it, it'll probably trump people that are in groups of 2, 3, or 4. Yeah, so I think that's important to note. Um, people need to realize that if you get rolled, it doesn't mean the matchmaker sucks. It doesn't mean much of anything. I mean, it means that you're going to see... You're going to see matches that are rolls in, in any game. They're going to happen. Imagine um, exactly even ELO scores per side, exactly you know three lances of four per side. So you got basically you got basically a, a perfect match on paper. And then let's say I'm one of those dudes, and I'm playing with Darren, Bombadil Darren, and the both of us go Leroy Jenkins, just kind of. Mm, we just do. We just suck one match. We just kind of take the wrong turn. And we just <laughs> get match. blown away. Yeah, just one time. And that's it, right? And then you guys are just going to get... Our rest of our team is going to get steamrolled. And and it's going to be a wipe. And it's, it's not because the matchmaker did a poor job putting that match together. It just... A couple of the players made a bad choice. So that's going to happen. I, our goal, of course, is that it's just make that as infrequent as possible. And the matchmaker is getting really close. So I will. I do want to also stand up and say uh, we've got even more tunables with this new version. Um, you will see even better exact tonnage matching. So um, it, that'll probably become even more present in, in the solo queue than groups. Groups is a little more challenging. With you have to, you're basically putting together a big puzzle, right? A big jigsaw puzzle. But um, exact tonnage matching comes into play. So. I'm going to throw these stats out there, little ones. Here, let me dig up this email real quick for you guys. All right, so, I mean, even just, you know, basically after the new first matchmaker came out, the number of matches that had, you know, a 75-ton discrepancy between the teams has dropped from 30% down to 8%. 
um, 8% of match. This is before the new version that's coming out on Tuesday, right? Before exact tonnage matching. And the number of matches that even were separated by 25 tons difference, um, or matches, sorry, that are within 25 tons of each other has gone from 28% to 51%. So even right now, over 51% of our matches are within 25 tons of each other. So that's really, that's only, what is that? Um, five mechs out of 12 that are separated by five tons from one team to the other. So it's pretty darn close already. The new matchmaker is going to implement some more tonnage matching. And so you're, that's, those stats are going to get even better and even closer. Um, and we have other tunables as well. In fact, the big secret weapon in my back pocket is start. I'm not sure I'm going to use this yet, but starting Tuesday, I'm going to actually have the ability in the solo queue only, mind you, for obvious reasons. I can explain those reasons if you'd like. It's that. Uh, in the solo queue only starting Tuesday, I'm going to be able to match if I want, just Innisfear versus Clans. So we'd be able to sort through factions. So I think we can foresee um, a weekend event coming up sometime soon. Anytime really after Tuesday when we can get, get it together. Wink, wink. Um, and we can put together an event like that. Where we can say, okay, you know, this weekend, let's see what happens. You know, let's, um, you know, it's freaky a little bit because we got to make sure, hopefully we get, you know, kind of 50-50 of players showing up or... Um, but this is all good test data, right? We need to know these things. We need to know how Intersphere Max will stand up on their own against clan teams. Um, there's a lot of variables there. You know, all the competitive teams are going to be running clan Max all weekend, right? And everyone else isn't, so is that going to throw stuff off? But anyhow, this is, it's pretty exciting. All in all, with all the concerns set aside around, like, okay, what are we about to discover about our game? Um, pretty awesome a weekend event, I would say. We'd like to award, we will probably have rewards like top Intersphere pilot, top clan pilot, per weight class perhaps. Uh, who knows? I'd like to come up with something really cool though. So that's what I was touching on earlier when I was asking about being able to gather that data, Intersphere versus clans. And I can tell you, you just made a ton of people very happy, myself included. That is going to be so awesome to have that available. And we're definitely looking forward to uh, those events coming. Now, Tyler um, and Brandon, you guys have been have you dropped solo I, well i know what Gager did he was doing it last night uh brennan have you been able to drop in the solo queue i drop solo pretty much all the time <laughs> okay so dropping solo did it yesterday i did it today um uh, for the past two days really enjoyed my games well one thing i will point out is for those that are dropping in the solo queue it's a different beast and what i mean by that and and uh is you have to play the game a little bit differently. I'm not saying you have to hide behind other people, but uh, you definitely have to be a lot more aware um, of you have what's to be going on. A little on. bit more reserved as well. You just yeah. can't be running out there. And you know, one thing I, I definitely want to say after watching Tyler last night is, don't get too frustrated when someone who's not on comms with you doesn't have your back when they can't talk to you directly. Uh, I know Tyler and, and Siri. Uh, <laughs> Well, understand, going from being in total competitive mode, it's the same thing I did with World of Tanks. I, that's all I ever played, and that's all Tyler and Siri play, is competitive, and you got your whole team supporting you, and everybody's on comms, and there's extreme coordination. Going from that to 100% solo, that's like you know, hot water to cold water. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a shock, no doubt. Tyler, what was that experience like for you? Pretty much had to make the decision that you weren't going to rely on anybody. I tried to, you know, herd the pugs as much as possible. And before I would do things, I would try to communicate what I was about to do and for the team to follow me. 
And sometimes they did, and in those cases, we would end up rolling the enemy team. And in the cases they didn't, I would kind of run out there by myself, get shot a bunch, and then have to run back to cover and just see that my teammates never came out from cover, just kind of chilled there. So... I loved it. Yeah, actually, it was a really enjoyable experience, though. Uh, I lost more games last night than I usually do in a night, but my kills and damage were way higher on average than other games because I don't have to share with my teammates that I usually run with. So it was it was fun. I'll be doing it more often. See, I'd like to know, um, and I guess this would be a Carl question, Russ, but but you may know. I mean, obviously, if, if Tyler's dropping, right, we're talking the cream of the crop, top ELO player, it, it has to put him into a match, and then that match has X amount of, you know, ELO scores across the board, right? It has to find 12 people within a certain, you know, range number and add those all together. So, I'm assuming, Tyler, what happens in your case is you may be at the top of the food chain and you'll have other people at different varying levels of skill level and you'll have to pull your weight, per se, because, I mean, you're expected, you know, if you're that top ELO player, you're expected to do a lot in that match. And I guess that's the difference, too, is if you're going solo, um, I know Siri was raging last night. It wasn't even Jaeger rage. There, was no, there wasn't as much Jaeger rage, but there was some Siri rage last night. Um that you know you guys do have to pull your weight uh and because you're expected to and that's what matchmakers doing when it pulls you into a match in a solo queue yeah matchmakers doing it right there was the games i had last night were way closer than any games i've had in the past few months here in the solo queue and matchmaker probably is doing its job but in that matchmaker is requiring me to have a magnificent game every single game and have pretty much any point i die in that game my team is going to lose which puts a lot of pressure on me but it's fun to have that pressure all right let's go ahead and move on to our next and this is actually a a big topic uh because we were talking about it two podcasts three podcasts ago maps hey russ so uh you know you guys have dropped a few hints about the next map um status update you know what's going on well all i can really say for now is that map production is has begun again um, it's definitely started. I told you guys last time that we had to put a bunch of people on clan um, artwork to make sure everything got out and got done right. Um, definitely, we switched back that into our uh, you know Mac production, and we did an assessment. So what we did is we sat down and we had two that were started already. One was you guys know of as Mech Factory. Um, one of them you know as either Swamp or Jungle. So it's two different names that were thrown out. There's not two maps. It's actually one map. Um, I would think of it more as a Swamp. So let's, I don't know, we'll call it Swamp for now. Um, and then, so we, we, I had that do an assessment. I said, okay, we got, you know, this map and, and a, a Mech Factory and Swamp. Take a look at those and I'll wear that, you know, or you know, compare that into uh, the notion of creating a brand new map uh, using kind of existing palette sets. So, you know, you go back and you make another map with the Forest Colony set or, you know, the Alpine set or a combination, you know, Forest Colony meets Alpine. Um, Lots of combinations, as you can imagine. We've got all those texture sets now, from Termaline to Canyon Networks to the city maps to Alpine Forest, etc. So um, he went and did that, and he came back and said, yeah, it's going to be quicker to finish off these maps that are, have been started still, even though they have still a lot of work left to do. So right now the plan is we're finishing off what we call Mech Factory first. I don't think it's going to be called Mech Factory in the end. I'm not sure it's going to quite live up to what we would envision as being a mech factory. I would kind of call it more of an industrial city. So another urban map um, that looks like it's going to be first right now. That could change in the coming days if something comes up, but that's going to be first. 
try to get it done pretty quick. Uh, pretty quick means, you know, as quick as you'd like it, but I'd like to see it in test here within a month and then a couple weeks after that. So it's still going to be probably, you know, within two months, I guess, is the safe estimate. I hope. Don't hang me on that one, but try to get one up there as quick as we can. And then we're going to get on that swamp map. I think it's going to be cool. That one's already been play tested internally. It plays really well. Sight lines are good. Um, and it's a very unique setting that you guys haven't seen before. So that's neat. Then after that, we're going to kind of open things up a bit. It's going to be like, oh, hey, guys, we have, you know, map resources. And that's where I'd like to kind of open up that to the community a little bit more. I'm not really going to necessarily commit to, like, community production of maps at that point yet. But definitely more involvement. Maybe there's more of a vote process and, like, what do we do? Is it after after Mech Factory and this uh, swamp is out, do we go back and do more versions of existing maps? Do we put a, a flooded Canyon Networks map together? Uh, you know, a snowy version of that or a night version of this, a foggy version of that? Um, do we spend time working more on fixing bugs and tweaking spawn points of existing game modes on existing maps? So the bottom line is you hear there's going to be kind of there's limited amounts of map resources. I think everyone would agree that first let's get a couple brand new maps in your hands. Then let's get to you guys. Let's figure out you know what the highest priority is after priority is after that for whether it's other versions of existing maps um, fixing certain bugs or spawn points or, or whatnot. And just that kind of right there is a snapshot of kind of the rest of 2014. You know I'd say of kind of following that path. But so it started again. So wonderful right yes absolutely i love that um i'm sure everybody loves hearing that production has started again i have a question as far as um when you guys are sitting down and tackling new maps it's funny because you know whenever you ask a group of people uh you know do you want maps bigger or you want maps smaller you get both answers um people that are you know will swear by we want bigger maps and people that say i hate the big maps we want smaller ones are you and i don't want to get into community warfare because that is the next topic but how are you tackling a new map? Do you sit down and say, okay, what do we have too much of, not enough of? Um, community warfare, I'm sure, is playing a part because you need to work those maps into that. Do people enjoy larger maps, smaller maps? How does that process you know, go about? Well, um, yeah, so when we take all the community feedback, we kind of know currently what maps are the favorites, what aren't the favorites, and perhaps in what game mode certain maps play well. You know, so for instance, River City, I, th I think, I enjoy playing it still, I really like River City, but it doesn't play very well from an assault perspective, especially in a competitive tournament, because you just basically end up sitting on two sides of the river. So it, we, we've all learned a lot of what plays and plays plays well and what doesn't. Um, but also, you know, I think Industrial City uh, and, you know, the Swamp Map were kind of put on the drawing board and started you know, more than six months ago too, right? So we didn't keep that in mind. But I still think it's beneficial to get those maps done and get them out there and get more variety of new maps into players' hands. So probably a lot of what you're speaking about, Darren, I think I'm gonna we're gonna be able to put into effect a lot better after those two maps are done and we and we kinda of come to the community at that point and kinda of say, Okay, what's you know, what's what's the top priority here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you guys uh, redid uh, Alpine Conquest and you moved a few of the things around, um, I was talking to you guys about this uh, before, and, and we've talked about this in three podcasts ago on maps, is the simplest of changes can dramatically affect how maps are played. And, you know, I'm excited for new maps. Uh, first off, um, you know, I will say a lot of people would probably, uh, let's see in chat too, who agrees with this statement, Russ, 
we want vibrant colors in our maps <laughs> no browns no browns we want color like forest colony what it used to look like was beautiful forest colony day it oh it was beautiful shadows. so whoever did the brown tell them you tone it down just a little bit and we'll project no but um aesthetically i think uh, one of the things uh you know i look forward to the most is that sort of lived in city sort of feel river city does a a, a good job as far as the maps um and um you know you're right there are a few maps that play really well in some game modes but then on other game modes they could definitely be improved upon and i think uh there's definitely been enough time to play on all these maps we've had so far to where you could you could easily take some quick um quick fixes to a few of them i think a few a few of the maps would require a little bit of uh some terrain and or creative thinking to uh to fix but uh some of them might just be a spawn spawn movement and uh, you know cap points uh location all right so moving on to the next big thing now russ you guys have been pretty um i would say behind you know closed doors about this i know um you guys have mentioned a few times uh, uh paul mentioned uh, documentation for community warfare was pretty much almost done and solidified. Um, now that we've got the clan invasion here, community warfare, uh, the you know the pillars of the clan invasion, all that. How how are things transitioning behind the scenes? I mean, we're really excited to hear about it. Um, just no one knows really anything, so we're like, oh, okay, what's what's going to happen? Well, we know that uh, unit formation is on the uh, horizon. Yep. Um, but yeah, t- take us into that and 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 further if you can, if you don't mind. Well, yeah, a lot of this stuff, um, Darren, you're hard at work, hopefully, on uh, finishing up that Indeed. vlog. Yeah, <coughs> log. We hope to have a vlog out for Friday, so all you guys that are listening live, I think you get a sneak peek at it. Otherwise, I think um, everyone watching the vlog on Friday is going to hear about some of these things potentially before this podcast goes out. But, um, I, I mean, my message is, you know, I'm not, you know, diminishing what Mercorp creation is. I'm definitely not saying, you know... This is Merc Corp creation, and then we're starting Community Warfare. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we've started Community Warfare. It's well underway, and there's a lot of engineers working on it. And the first module is uh, Merc Corp creation. So it's pretty much, you know, a, the association aspect that we've talked about for a long time. Um, you, I'm not going to try and describe it because Paul did that in a couple of posts. Uh, it's better than I can recap here. Bottom line is you guys are probably going to have associations. So you're going to be able to create your Merc Corp. You're going to be able to fill out all the ranks have all the chat rooms that's that's step one right it's the association and then um we're gonna keep momentum right we we have actually our first meeting mid next week to start tech reviewing um the next module which is of course the actual combat which is really in what i I would look at as basically the rest of it um now i say that loosely because it's never the rest of it right i mean there's there's always going to be more um i expect we're gonna have community warfare done this this fall and and you know, um, winter, I guess, or I guess fall goes till the end of the year. So essentially, definitely in 2014, we're going to finish this stuff. But that doesn't preclude us, of course, from getting a lot of suggestions and a lot of ideas and basically continuing to expand upon it, expand upon it, expand upon it. But kind of fulfilling the initial vision of community warfare and giving you guys planetary combat, it's all going to happen. So it, we're going to move right from Mercorp creation into the actual um, planetary conquest aspects of community warfare. So um, I'm not going to throw out dates here today any better than I have before, except that I'd say that I'm crossing my fingers and my toes that we're going to see Mercorp creation in August. I'll just leave it at August for now. Um, it's the best I can do for you. That's my hope, and I think we've got a 
a reasonably good chance of, of achieving that in August. And um, after that, it's the next module. I don't really have a sense on that one yet. I'm hoping it's a couple of months after that. So definitely this fall and um, <clears throat> finally going to have that. So that's, that's pretty much cut and dry, right? It's not, it's, it's a very difficult thing to say this particular patch, you're going to get it with features like this. Um, clan release and stuff are much easier. Content is always easier, as you know, than um, gameplay features that are just uh, much more difficult to project, but everyone's focused on it and it's going to happen this year. All of it. All of it, again, being very subjective term. It won't be all of it to many of us. It'll it'll be the initial vision and then now what it'll are we going to do? Yeah, yeah the, all of the foundation, right? So from that foundation continuing into 2015, more can be built on top, etc. So I have a question uh, you may be able to answer, Russ. Uh, you know, I think, I don't know if it was you, possibly even Paul, uh, might have been one of the vlogs, but it was basically saying to the effect of we're going to let the community uh, resolve the conflict between IS and clans as far as like actual planetary warfare. So it could be possible that the clans do better, you know, a particular clan based on you guys aren't, are you guys going to follow the lore? Or are you going to restrict some like, uh, or are you just going to let it? hey, whatever plays out, plays out? Well, I think you guys already know about that. I mean, I don't think anything's changed as far as... Um, I think there's going to be planets that you can contest and players in planets that you can't. So generally a canon sort of layout that people are affecting to a degree. So, you know, the borders are fluctuating based on players, but not necessarily wiping out the entire actual storyline from canon. Although, I, I will say that that's a... For me, um, I'm less concerned about that than maybe I was originally, or you know, a couple of years ago when we first thought of you know what community warfare might mean. Um, I'm less adverse to the thought of letting players pretty much just fully blah, wipe out the entire map and, and then just kind of doing more resets. And, Here, let's try it again. But um, that's not the way it's going to go out. Uh, that's not the plan currently. The plan is what you guys have heard, which is more of a there are border planets there are planets that are contestable and those are the ones we're going to be fighting over and you will see the map shift based on that um i want to just make sure that people can see the changes and make sure they do feel like they are affecting the change so that's the important thing but i don't know if that answers your question well how soon might we just even see a map even if it's nothing that we can do anything with but just to kind of start letting people see what the inner sphere is um, will that sometime probably after uh, unit formation and so forth? Well, right now our rendering engineer is working on a stretch goal for a Mercorp creation release of being able to see the map and have it be rendered in a really cool way so that you can see how it's going to look and start adjusting when the rest of the module comes online. But I don't know for sure if that's going to be a part of Mercorp creation module or not. I'm okay. hoping it will be, yeah. Cool. Uh, we had the uh, Jubjet uh, update by uh, Paul yesterday on uh, Command Share Post, um, and this is upcoming. It's already in, um, and basically, it's you know, uh, just like how it said, you know, has to deal with thrust, and you know, previously to this uh, going in, um, the benefit you got from one and or two jump jets uh, was pretty much like the same as taking five. Um, you know, so 
player behavior, obviously, and we've talked about this for a long time, you're going to do whatever you can to squeeze every little bit of the last performance out of, you know, anything, whether a piece of equipment, weapon, and of course, jump jets have been abused for a while, and this is going in. Now, I will say, I did jump, and I tested this out, and, you know, even like the Timberwolf right now, and that's been a big topic, because we were talking about that, I think, last time on the podcast was, should the, you know, uh, well, I even did a forum post on over at NGNG forums about what how do you guys feel about the timberwolf having you know the ability to take jump jets and uh russ i I think we've even talked to you a few times behind the scenes um and this is actually sort of sort of plays into this all because if jump jets are more of a maneuverability thing you can still take one jump jet if you want um but uh you're not going to be pop tarting let's just put it this way one jump jet timberwolf you will not be pop tarting and doing what you normally do um, I guess let's just put it that way. It completely different. The five jump jet summoner. Yeah. You can get um, some air. <laughs> let's jump in and talk about this now. I mean, yeah, I suppose um, I can plead, I guess, uh, ignorance and or not enough awareness with the clan mechs to have ever raved my, raised my hand and said, please don't, you know, put out the Timberwolf S because, you know, it's going to, you know, negate the summoner or something like that. Um, I think at this point it is what it is, and I'm not taking away things from players that they bought, especially with the kind of real money they spent on the clan mechs. The fact is we have the S variants of all the mechs, all the clan mechs, and we have the S variant of the summoner. So it's out, or sorry, some of the uh, Timberwolf. So it's there now. We're living with it, and not going to panic on that yet. First, first when we first someone brought that up, we said, uh, you know, look at this Timberwolf S, etc. I definitely talked to David and some of the guys about, okay, why is it that some of the Climax don't have locked on jump jets and some of the others do? I think you guys already understand this. Um, it's it's based on the actual, you know, CT variant itself. So, I mean, if, if the mech is a, if its default variant, essentially its prime variant, was a jump jet capable mech that had the locked in jump jets, then that carries on. But if... Um, its default variant does not, it takes on the omnipods of the others, then you get to a situation where they're not locked in. So that is something we can possibly look at in the future and say, well, you know, there's flexibility across the board and or there's lock-in across the board if you take a, um, or it's if you take just one pod and the Timberwolf, um, and, and it says, you know, you can put up the two jump jets on that, maybe you're locked at a two at least instead of having the flexibility one or two. But uh, the feedback really was around let's not fix something until we feel like we've got jump jets where we want them. So that was really the course we took. There's a number of changes. First off, of course, there's fall damage. Um, we're not 100% satisfied. We're making some current changes now to obviously change the feet per second meter to, uh, to meters per second, a small matter, a, a visual matter, really a communication to the player to be consistent. But um, also, the, there will be some changes, especially for lights and mediums, to kind of change the point in which they start to take some fall damage. So there'll be some tweaks there. I'm not sure exactly when. I don't think it made this patch. It might be the patch after. Um, that was step one, right? Step two is, of course, around thrust and heat. So you'll see new thrust levels and heat. They won't be jumping as far as they used to across the board. I think there's a couple ways you could have gone with the game. You know, maybe we could have gone all super, super like you know, flying over the place with jump jets. Uh, we tend to feel like these are giant stomping battle mechs, and um, there's not many mechs in the game that are going to just really fly all over the place. And some of those lights will still be really mobile with their jump jets. But 
we really looked at this like you take a you know a pop tarting you know highlander victor a timberwolf or whatever and the amount of thrusts are getting off one jump jet and we've really changed that to where if you go to forest colony and you go to the i guess they're kind of like living sit the buildings for humans or they kind of look like boxes and there's like one two and three story boxes you can take one jump jet out on your timberwolf for instance stand up next to it fire the jump jet and just clear your arms enough to get off a shot basically with one jump jet so that kind of becomes a new limitation of the one jump jet um mech so in larger ridges and stuff, it's not going to cut it. You're going to have to get into two, three, even more, you know, four plus to kind of make it worth it so that, you know, your five jump jets summoner is getting value out of its tons now, I would say, or very close to. The heat is um, impactful, but not immense. Um, these things, of course, both thrust and heat can be adjusted as we move forward. But as far as heat goes, right now, it doesn't feel like you don't ever feel like your jump jets are heating you up like Paul's throw. It just really feels like they prevent you from cooling down. So at first I thought, well, I'm not sure they're hot enough, but you fire, you, you shoot off some stuff, you get 40% heat, and then you fire your jump jets, and all of a sudden you watch your heat as it's dropping, 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 just basically stop dropping and kind of hovers more. Obviously it's dependent on the mech and how many double heat sinks you have, but in my summoner that's how it found it. I think it did drop slowly still, but essentially stopped mitigating in my heat. So that's going to prevent your, your general pop tartars from um, maybe, you know, preventing just how much they are able to jump up and take those shots. Because if they do a little bit of brawling and then they and they go to jump, they are going to run into some heat that they didn't have to think about before. So that is the general across the board. you got your fall damage. you got your new thrust levels. you got your heat levels. Um this is not going to mean the pop tarting gets removed from the game. We never sat down to say, how do we remove pop tarting from the game? I think we all just want to see a lot less of it and certainly see less of those games where you literally have Team A over here, Team B over here, and they're just literally kind of bouncing up and down like kangaroos and, and taking pot shots at each other. So um, we'll see, you know. Uh, we might not be perfect at the gate, but we've got the... We've got the things to play with now too. So we can play around thrust a little more. We can play with heat a little more. We can play with fall damage a little more. And I still have the reticle shake in my back pocket. I haven't changed anything there yet, but if we wanted to shake just for an extra half or quarter second after jump jets are released, we can go there if we need to. Haven't yet. So there you go. Yeah, so I mean this this is obviously a big topic and and like phil earlier said it's a valid tactic um some would argue with that i i think it's a valid mech warrior uh video game tactic but i don't think it's uh necessarily a valid tactic from uh the lore uh standpoint but anyway i mean that's that's a huge discussion which we don't have time for today but it's good to know that all these variables are in there that can be tweaked and and hopefully arrive at some um you know at least close to midpoint that keeps everybody happy well, it's just closing the gap. Uh, right now, it's just been uh, up until fall of damage. Now we're getting the new jump jet system. The gap has just been wide open to the right to where you've always uh, long range, high impact jump jets on top of that have just always, it's just been the domination. And, you know, uh, we've talked about this in Link, Tyler. Everyone just wants to see that gap close. So either you can close the distance literally 
um, that you're not taking volley after volley before you can even close the distance uh, so that, you know, the brawls break out. SRMs are back on the, you know, field. And, you know, I, I think it's great. I tested it out earlier today. Uh, medium lights um, aren't as affected as much. Um, so for all V lights and, and uh, mediums that are worried about the jump jet uh, new change, it doesn't affect uh, lights and, and mediums as much. It's definitely, yeah. it I affects the heaviers and assaults. Yeah, I guess I, I just want to say that we don't want to give too much, you know, clear up the HUD too much, but right now it just shows whether you take L damage or H damage, right? Light or heavy. Um, and again, we'll probably make a tweak to when lights and mediums start to take the damage. But L, L is quite low. So sometimes I think some of the feedback on lights is like, hey, it's too punishing on lights, you're taking leg damage. But for instance, if you need to go 32 feet per second, it lights up on your light mech, you might have only taken about. I think this might have been in the post, but you, it's minimum damage. You're probably taking like 0.4 hit points per leg or something. So it's it's quite low. It's uh, we don't, but you don't really know that as a player, right? You don't know if you took you know one or two or three or four. So I think we need to improve the communication there, but and tweak that a little bit. But it's um, yeah, it's not very much damage versus, of course, if you take a Highlander and you jump as high as you possibly can on a big ridge and fall down into the canyon. Um, you're gonna take like probably 25 points of damage per leg or something. So um, even that, you could probably do that five times without actually destroying your mech. So all in all, it's you know uh, if you haven't taken any fire to your legs, um, you can you can still kind of you know abuse that. I and mean, you can see your standard pop tarting jump 15 times and just letting themselves fall down from his pop tarting height before he destroys a leg or something without taking fire to their legs. So yeah, it's, I don't think it's overly punishing. Well, and it's, for the most part. It's one of those things where we've said this uh, when you guys have implemented an updated system where, you know, jump jets in, in general are an old outdated system, a placeholder, and this change that's coming needed to go in. Same thing with fall damage, um, you know. So it's very difficult as a player, right? You've been going over a year now, two years playing this game, and all of a sudden a new system implements, and it definitely affects the way you play the game, how to run, especially in lights, mediums, or anything like that. So you definitely have to learn new behaviors. I know um, Audi is out here. He's a he's a light uh, guru, and you know it's one of those things where it definitely changes the way you have to maneuver on terrain and/or when you're jump jetting and uh, you know hitting your jump jets to buffer you know the land and stuff like that. But uh, anyways, we have to move on. Um, <laughs> it's uh, we're going over time here. Uh, some quick mentions uh, just before uh, we get off here. Don't forget uh, the. All systems nominal and the Battlemaster shirts are in stock, so make sure to check that out. And of course, um, we just before I left, um, uh, Matt uh, Rusted Pumpkin here actually in channel came out with another album, Armored Combat. I know a lot of people have been enjoying that, so if you want to check that out, support him and GNG at the same time. Make sure to check that out, um, and uh, we'd appreciate the support. Anyways, I just want to say thank you uh, real quick to Russ uh, for coming out here and taking the time. Um, <laughs> I think uh, the whole solo queue. I think that's. That's one of the coolest things. I was unaware of that until, uh, you know, earlier. And I was like, oh, well, that explains a lot. And then the group queue. A few refinements. We look forward to seeing those, Russ. And definitely in the maps. Um, I think a lot of people look forward to giving you guys feedback on the maps. You know, especially some of the uh, the, uh, the maps, current maps, giving you some balance adjustments and stuff and feedback on that. Um, I think a lot of people would be uh, really super excited to see those uh, updated and uh, modified a little bit to uh, help game plan balance. So anyways, thank you again for taking your time for coming out here. Yeah, thanks everybody. Thanks for playing. Appreciate all your support and feedback and 
Yeah, keep um, keep supporting us. I uh, appreciate that. And I can't wait to get you guys the uh, Merc Corp creation. That's the next big thing for us to get in your hands. And, of course, the rest of Community Warfare. So thanks again. Thank you, Russ. And, of course, I just want to give a big, big, huge shout-out to Impaler um, for his uh, RJC Memorial stream, 24 hours, over $16,000. Um I think he's already shaved his beard. Is that correct? I think he's done that. He's already got stubble. Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, Darren's going to be shaving his beard, which... Tonight, I think tonight um, or in the morning, but yeah. You know, you pictures before mm-hmm. and after during footage make it happen. Don't don't skimp out on this. Don't be that, I, I won't. Don't be that I won't. guy. We got to have all the documentation. Yeah, we need like... <laughs> He's put the clippers in his hands. You know, I could we just need, go take We care. need CNN, like, live coverage. I could go take like, a picture of some guy that doesn't have a beard and say it's me. Oh, I know. know. I know. know. Unless you're getting a picture of Seth Rogen, which is your <laughs> twin. Unless you're doing that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, anyways. <laughs> anyways, thank you to uh, Brennan and Tyler. Uh, and, again, big thank you to you guys. You're awesome. Thank you again for your support uh, for the past few weeks uh, while I was gone and all that, all the wishes and, and thanks up and uh, yeah, I definitely appreciate it. So a big thank you to you guys, our new listeners and old, and of course our amazing staff, all the NGNG guys behind the scenes and our streamers. You guys are awesome and our sponsors. And of course, if you want to become a sponsor, head over to our forums, click that donation tab. You guys get an avatar. You guys get your own section. And someone needs to remind me to do a sponsor giveaway. Someone. I know there's yes, sponsors here. Need to do that. But also in regards to uh, the NGNG crew, I'd also like to take this time really quick to welcome two of the newest members to the NGNG uh, crew. That's to NGNG TV, actually. That's Harmonia. Uh, well, I guess her name's Kirsani, a.k.a. Our Harmonia. And then also Jay-Z. Uh, so they're both new to NGNG TV. Welcome, guys. It's going to say uh, Jay-Z, rocking the Aussies. Oh, yeah. All right, guys, this was your local No Guts, No Galaxy Mechware podcast signing off for tonight. This is Phil. This is Darren. This is Brandon, also known as Patrick Hill. This is Tyler. Until next time, Mech Warriors. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube at No Guts, No Galaxy TV, on Twitch at NGNG TV, on Facebook at No Guts, No Galaxy Podcast, and on Twitter at No Guts, No Galaxy. It'd be best if you avoid me. But I know you probably can't You sense something is wrong with me You can feel it on my skin But there is more with it Just a little off The truth is at one time I was But now I'm a robot Forever disconnected from you
the man.